is the Mind Fitness Method Podcast, a podcast focusing on the most important factor for sustainable weight loss and fitness, the mental game. With me, Dr. Eric Aiken, a board-certified neurosurgeon. Welcome back to the Mind Fitness Method Podcast. And in this podcast, I'm going to talk about lessons learned from Randy Jackson's weight loss and gastric bypass surgery. Now, Randy Jackson is probably most known as a musician he uh was he's a bass guitarist very famous for that he's worked with many famous musicians as a both a bassist and a producer uh keith richards journey mariah carey in sync just to name a few but probably his most prominent work has been in recent years as a judge on american idol and he was on american idol from 2002 to 2014 and Right about the time that he started that show, uh, about a year later, he was diagnosed with diabetes. Now, he said that before this, at, from all of the research I did on his weight loss journey, he said that in the months preceding, and maybe a few years to some extent, preceding uh, starting that show, he was just not feeling good. His energy level was bad. He was a lot more breathless. He just did not feel good every single day. And it got finally to a point that he went and saw his doctor about it. He realized that he had, he had a problem. And then they discovered that he had diabetes. So at that time, he weighed, he was 47 years old. He weighed 358 pounds. So he would fall into a category of morbid obesity. And he had abnormal gums, which was another thing that they picked up on that's often found with patients with diabetes. And so his blood sugar was 500 uh, when they checked it. Now, normal blood tra- blood sugar is 60 to 140. So that gives you a point of reference. It was pretty bad, almost five times normal. So there was a family history that put him at risk for that. Uh, ironically, it's the adult onset form of diabetes rather than the child onset form that is most likely to be inherited. But he started thinking through his options there and he needed things to change and they needed to change fast. He was sick. So he opted to have uh, gastric bypass surgery, but he says that ultimately he was successful uh, when he changed the way that he thought. Now, this podcast, as you know, is a podcast focusing on the mental game of long-term weight loss and fitness. And Randy Jackson said that it was changing his thinking that was ultimately what was responsible for his success. So after he got his gastric bypass surgery, he did lose weight, as you do, from gastric from any bariatric surgery almost, but the problem was he started to regain the weight. And he said it was at this point that the real work began. And so ultimately he started working with nutritionists, uh, started educating himself a lot about food and began exercising. And he had to start rewiring his thinking. And then he lost the weight again ultimately lost 114 pounds and has kept it off a long time now. So what lessons can we learn about this? Number one, 
let's talk about gastric bypass surgery. There's there's three primary types of weight loss surgery. Um, they're collectively they're known as bariatric surgery. So the f- first type and probably least used option is called an adjustable gastric band surgery or the lap band surgery. Uh, and, and then with this, they will implant this adjustable band device that will restrict how much food can go into the stomach. So then you start to feel full quicker. And um, it is an option for some people. It just depends on you, really. Uh, but it's probably the least used option. Second option is called a sleeve gastrectomy. This is probably the second most popular option. This is where a portion of the stomach is removed. And rather than the stomach being shaped like a bag, it's shaped like a sleeve. Again, the idea is to restrict uh, the size of the stomach and how much food can go in uh, so that you feel full sooner. And then finally, there is what's probably considered the gold standard surgery. This is called the Rue and Y gastric bypass. It has a funny name. Um, The idea uh, is that they will staple the stomach. A portion of the stomach is stapled off and leaves a smaller space inside the stomach. Then they work their way down past the stomach to the small intestine and they divide the small intestine in half between the first and second parts of the small intestine. The first part is called the duodenum. The second part is called the jejunum. They divide it between those two. They will pull the jejunum up to that small pocket of a stomach you now have. And they make a little hole in the side of that pocket and they sew the the jejunum onto that little pocket onto the side of the stomach. They then take the duodenum, which is coming off the other end of the stomach that has been stapled off, and they put that and reconnect it to the jejunum further down, and they connect it from the side rather than end to end. They, they sort of graft it onto the side. So it's this, the other half of the stomach still empties its you know, acid contents and whatnot into the small intestine. So the, after you're done sewing all these things together and all this, it creates a Y-shaped structure between the stomach and the small intestine, hence the name Roux and Y. This does two things. Number one is it will restrict how much you know, food goes in. That's one of the principles of bariatric surgery. But the second one is this also restricts how much is absorbed uh, so it prevents some of the absorption. And there can be issues with this. You've heard of the dumping syndrome. If you're not absorbing things, then it's going on through, and you can have issues uh, with malabsorption. Um, but what lessons can we learn from this? No, well, number one is that surgery is a last resort, pretty much for most elective problems. Surgery is the last resort. There's a few things where surgery is definitely a first resort, but for sure in neurosurgery, uh, for spine pain issues, uh, surgery is always last resort unless there is a life and limb issue. Um, and same with weight loss. There is, you know, if unless there is some absolute reason that you need to do surgery first, in, in a perfect world, Ideally, I, I, 
I would argue that almost no one, probably I'm going to get beat up on this statement, but uh, I, I think almost no one would be doing bariatric surgery or would need bat- bariatric surgery um, if uh, we made a little bit more mainstream uh, some of the knowledge that is needed in order to maintain your efforts for controlled eating and regular exercise a bit more available. And so uh, because anyone's body just about anyone's body will respond to these things if you can get that mental game down. And the need for bariatric surgery would just almost diminish almost to nothing. Uh, These surgeries are not foolproof. And if you don't eat right and exercise, they still won't work. And like Randy said, he said it was after his bariatric surgery that the real work started. And he had to change his thinking. He he hired not only did he hire nutritionists and worked with a trainer, but he also hired mental or or uh, mental health specialists to help him uh, rewire his thinking, change his attitude about food, and all of this. So it was the mental game that glued everything together. Now, for bariatric surgery, in order to qualify for it, you can't just go get it. Uh, it you have to have a BMI of greater than 35. So you have to be substantially overweight. And secondly, you need to have a health-related problem like heart disease or stroke or high blood pressure or fatty liver disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, sleep apnea, or type 2 diabetes. So the second lesson that we can take from Randy Jackson's story is that not only is so a second lesson that we can take from his story is that you know so the, the first lesson being that gastric bypass surgery is a last resort it doesn't work unless you make the changes but the second lesson is that it is the mental game that makes this happen and that it was too bad that it required him running into health problems before he made that change. You know, he, and this is very often the case. Um, I was listening to an interview that he did with a Dr. Gundry. Dr. Gundry has become famous for one of his supplements. He, um, he professes uh, that there's some problems with proteins, plant proteins, uh, that can essentially cause you to have a leaky gut and uh, he, I don't know, I, I, honestly, I, I don't think very much of his work in the field. Maybe I'll do a podcast on that. But, uh, but in any event, he's gained some prominence and popular. He's a general surgeon and was interviewing them, uh, Randy, and said they got to talking about this. And he said that um, he, you know, he didn't make this change until after he realized he was had a diagnosis that was a bad diagnosis that could take him out if he didn't do anything about it. And um, if you you don't want to learn from your mistakes, it's always better and easier in life if you can learn from other people's mistakes. That's why you should read books. 
books about important people and that that made it. You can you can learn from their mistakes and then you never have to make them. But what, the line of conversation between Dr. Gundry and Randy Jackson during this interview was interesting. For one thing, I noticed that the doctor, who was a, he was a thoracic surgeon, I believe, did a lot of heart surgeries, but he did some general surgery work. And he took the same, I heard him talking about when he would talk to his patients, little anecdotes during this interview. And he did something that so many doctors make the mistake of doing. They tell you, look, if you don't stop, something terrible is going to happen to you. You know, and and he said, "They, they just don't learn. Well, the deal is, is nobody, re- no one responds to that kind of persuasion. You have to use persuasion that actually works. And I mean, if he knew anything about psychology, he would know uh, there's something called hyperbolic discounting. We do not care about rewards that are in the distant future. The, the, our federal government has already proven this. So years ago, they were talking, they did a big, you know, public health push and put millions of dollars into this thing, talking about how exercise is medicine and eating right as medicine, you know, so that you can not have to pay for medicine for one. And if you do these things and number two, that you just stay healthy, you'll be healthy in your old age if you exercise and eat now, you know, but the problem is that type of persuasion never works. And doctors have got to learn how to persuade more effectively. We only act, we rarely consistently act on things where the reward is in the distant future. Uh, It's very difficult to do. And um, you need to have, especially with something that has to do with your eating behavior and your exercise behavior, you have to have, seek immediate rewards immediate rewards right away. The whole idea, for for example, when I was trying to get into medical school, um, yeah, I could see that there would be a, a reward down the road in you know, a decade and a half or two decades later when I finished all my college and, and medical school and my post-medical school training. But if I had only thought about that, I would never have made it. Because there were little wins along the way. The first win was each grade that I got at in college. Each grade was a win. You know, I would if I got an A and did well in that class, that 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 was a little win for me. And then uh, after graduating, the same thing in in medical school. At each grade that I got was a, a win. And then finally, when I got into residency, um, it was little wins along the way, completing each year for one, just making it through that was uh, a win, but also learning mastery of new surgeries and, and the, the knowledge that was there. And then, and then ultimately I got myself through it by seeking little immediate wins. And so that's kind of what you have to do with your exercise and eating is focus on the immediate benefits, not the things that are going to be of uh, good to you down the road. And another interesting caveat to their conversation was they Never talked about exercise. This doctor and Randy Jackson, uh, they talked about the eating and leaky gut and and so forth, and but they didn't talk about exercise too much. And uh, there's some evidence that shows that people with diabetes need to exercise. And 
In fact, high-intensity exercise is a lot more important for diabetics. It helps, you know, you can halt the effect of diabetes with exercise, but you can reverse the effects of diabetes with high-intensity exercise. More intense is better with diabetes. So I just thought that that was uh, a little surprising. I don't know. They have a so only so long that they can converse in a podcast, but uh, th- those are some very important points that I feel should be made. Um, but so the the second lesson here is learn from other mistake other people's mistakes. Don't depend on an external motivator of your own coming on you know, something bad. Uh, learn to find the internal motivators and the immediate rewards so that you can begin enjoying the process, having joy in the process of establishing these habits today rather than reaping the benefits of it 20 years from now. Lesson number three is that not only did it require him changing his diet, and that's what it seems like so many of these weight loss stories focus on, but it it required exercise. And I am heavy on exercise. I am long on exercise. I think that exercise uh, is extraordinarily important because it causes so many positive benefits in your life. Yes, weight loss does require changing your the way you eat, being more mindful. And a good thing that I noticed that uh, Randy Jackson was saying in, in many of these interviews was that he calls himself a flexitarian. He does not restrict macros. He doesn't restrict certain food groups and all of that. He allows himself to eat things. He is just very mindful of what he eats. And he doesn't tell himself that there's anything that he can't eat. Um, he's just mindful of how much goes in now and um, eats more of good things and less of bad things, but nothing's off the table. Uh, and he, um, he said that it was important to do something that you will do. You know, that was his biggest message. Uh, don't, you don't have to be, you know, dogmatic about a particular diet or philosophy of eating or nutrition. You need to do what you will do that will work. And, um, now for his exercise, it was very hard for me to find out exactly what he does do, except I noticed that I get the feeling that he may get bored with routines that are, you know, very monotonous. So I don't think that he's into cardio, you know, getting on a treadmill (laughs) or that kind of thing. He likes to do things where there's some goal oriented, uh, objective. So he, he mentioned he likes to play tennis, but he did mention that something about yoga and doing cardio exercise, but I think he likes doing sports for his form of movement. And then he mentioned that in general, he's just started to move more in his life. He, he realizes it's important to move your body. If you know, move it or lose it is the deal. So, so the takeaway on this of Randy Jackson's weight loss and bariatric surgery is number one, there is no shortcuts, not surgery. There are no supplements or secret hacks, no diets. There is no shortcuts. You 
first, you do have to be mindful of how much you eat and you have to exercise. And you have it all starts with the mental game. Changing your body for the long run is a mental game. And it won't happen until you learn how to play it. So don't wait until you have an external motivator like a devastating disease like diabetes or heart disease or have a stroke in order to learn that how to develop the psychology that draws you toward doing these things now. And you want to start to learn how to find the immediate rewards. Don't think about, oh, how you're going to spare yourself a heart attack when you're 60 or 50. By the way, it's interesting. You should, an interesting statistic I just learned today is that after age 40, there's a 30% chance, or at age 30, there's a, I'm sorry, at age 40, there is a 30% chance that you may encounter something that knocks you out of your ability to work for three to six months. Insurance companies are banking on this. And so if you go to get insurance at age 40 or later, they know they're at, at 40, there's at least a 30% chance that you may not be able to work for three to six months at some point in the next year or several years. You may potentially statistically lower that if you are doing something about your health. So that's an immediate reward today. And do you think right now, if you couldn't work for the next three to six months because of some health-related issue, how would how would that look? Would you be able to sustain it? Would you lose your house? It's an immediate reward today, that insurance policy. And, you know, with COVID going on and everything like that, it has been an assurance to me, maybe a false one, but because COVID has so many uh, uh, different effects on different people. Some people that I thought were extremely healthy have had some pretty devastating response to this, this virus. But at least you know that if you are seeing to your weight and you're exercising regularly, you're doing probably the single most effective thing that you can uh, to mitigate the effects of the virus, uh, apart from possibly the vaccine that's available. So um, learn to get the drive to do these things daily, the drive for doing these habits. Because motive, I don't say motivation because I, I'm, I heard that David Goggins, I'm a, a big fan of his. He says motivation comes and goes, but drive is what sustains you even when you don't feel like doing these things. And it is that psychology that you need in order to be able to do that day in and day out, even when you don't feel like it. Um, but you can also learn how to be drawn to it. And you have to learn how to find immediate wins and gratification to keep the ball rolling. So if you are ready to learn the mental game of lasting weight loss and fitness, then I want to invite you to watch my free podcast. It is called Professionals Fitness Fast Track. All you have to do is go to www.ericakenmd.com slash register. That's www.ericakenmd.com slash register. There uh, you will learn about four secrets 
to maintaining long-term weight loss and fitness. You'll learn why you do not have to be disciplined in order to maintain the habits of controlled eating and regular exercise long-term. And you'll learn what is the single most effective thing in helping you make this transition to learn this mental game and make the internal changes you need in order to sustain your weight loss and fitness long-term. We've had incredible results with our clients and I'd like to show you how. Also, you can go to the website, www.ericakenmd, and just have a look around. You can learn more about the Evolve program there. But again, a 40-minute free masterclass that I've put together. All you have to do is put your name and email address in, and you'll get the rest. Until the next time, remember, it is your brain that maintains the change.